Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor AJ Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, looking at Exodus chapter 23 today. These are really cool chapters because, as we were seeing last time, I, I really got to say, I think that was the first time that we had our guest on yesterday. You should check that out in the podcast. That was uh, Delwyn Campbell, pastor at St. John um, Evangelical and Good Shepherd even, uh, in Gary, Indiana. I think it was the first time we had him on. Great conversation, brought a really unique uh, perspective. And, and we saw how really this is just showing how these Ten Commandments— um, they're not ten commands, ten ordinances, you know, ten you know things of rules that you got to do. And it's like, oh man, this is so hard. But rather, this is this is God providing for His people. This is God providing a framework, providing something to protect His people uh, from the the people they're going to be encountering in Canaan, um, but also uh, a way of protecting them from themselves um, and and those among them and uh, who would would break the law, those, uh, those impulses, those, those uh, desires that really are self-destructive in the end. So that's what we got going on in Exodus 23 also. Um, more of this, um, both about, uh, more stuff about the animals in terms of saying, hey, look, you actually have a, a responsibility to actually help your neighbor proactively. It's not just do no harm and live and let live. You actually have a responsibility uh, to help him out um, in some kind of basic ways. Uh, and then also you got in Exodus 23, this stuff um, kind of particularly about the land um, in terms of the ways of leaving the land to lie fallow. We'll talk about that fun word. Um, and also relating to the conquest in Canaan. So really just um, good stuff for God's people here in Exodus 23 for them then and also for us today, which is why today we've got our guest, Pastor Mark Burkholtz, pastor at Faith Lutheran Church in Oak Lawn, Illinois, to help us see how uh, this is not just for ancient peoples with oxen and donkeys. Good morning, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. And uh, yeah, this isn't this isn't just uh, you know if you've got yourself a a field full of fallow, fertile, faithful produce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's certainly uh, maybe a challenge sometimes to put ourselves in the context of the ancient Israelites, but uh, certainly we want to see how this uh, these words of God, which are you know gift and blessing to His people, are continued. Uh, blessing and guidance for us even today. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, and also it, it's kind of cool too, because actually we kind of blew it on the Ten Commandments episode. We didn't actually talk about the Ten Commandments. We kind of just talked around them. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we'll have to kind of rectify that because uh, it's neat because in these following chapters, they're really kind of um, you know explaining and going into depth then on what the Ten Commandments actually mean when you break them down instead of just like a three word thing like you shall not steal you get all of this like today right we we tend to kind of rip out the Ten Commandments and set them on their own but all of this really flows through and explains in more detail just like we have in our our catechisms further questions and explanations that we go through this is a great source of, of additional explanation and fleshing out what these uh, words of God to us look like in, in real life. 
Yeah, it's, a, it's actually a really good comparison. I was thinking about that. In some ways, these chapters are they're kind of like the large catechism, where if you look at the large catechism, uh, I, I know, and, and, even, and even many of our good Lutheran listeners are like, what is he talking about? It's called the small catechism. No, there's a large catechism, too. And if you haven't read it, you should check it out. Um, I mean, it's just it's very easy to pull up online, but they're they're kind of like sermons on the Ten Commandments, a good chunk of the large catechism, and that's kind of like what you have here. Moses has gone up to the summit, and it's like God's giving him some sermons so that he can pass those sermons along to the people, and they can understand uh, this stuff about the Sabbath, for example, um, in further detail. Yeah, that, that that's right because. Uh, the, just a couple of words, you know, thou shalt not, you know, people are going to have questions, you know, what does this look like? How does this apply to me? And this uh, really helps them to see some concrete examples of, of how these, these words play out in their lives. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, without any further ado, let's go ahead and uh, turn to the text. As we do so, brother, would you open us up with a prayer? Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word that engages us today, for the promise that your spirit will be at work here uh, through your word to create and strengthen faith among us. We thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, has completely kept these commands for us and that we have forgiveness for the times that we fall short and also that through the work of your Holy Spirit, you give us strength to continue to love you and to love our neighbors in the ways that you have, uh, have given to us. Uh, bless those who are uh, struggling with their faith at this time, those who may be cut off from friends and families and faith communities by uh, illness or, or other challenges, uh, continue to bless your pastors and teachers as they find ways to care for all people uh, in these challenging times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. And I especially appreciate you praying for just everyone who's feeling cut off. I know that in, um, in California, we recently had more guidance issued that was advising against singing. And, uh, well, we won't go into <laughs> how much sense that makes or not. But, um, you know, if, if, if uh, you know, the brothers and sisters out there listening find themselves, you know, cut off from the singing that they love to do in church. Well, I mean, I was just listening to some of the songs that they had going on on KFUL right before we started and uh, they got some good stuff there, like some really cool choral arrangements um, from university choirs and stuff like that. So KFUO has got you covered if you're wanting to get some good Christian music. Definitely. All right. So looking here at Exodus chapter 23, um, I mean, I think we've kind of set it up already, but anything else, like, I don't know, if there's anything from the earlier chapters in Exodus or maybe something to be keeping in mind of the chapters that follow before we give this a read-through. Yeah, just that this is you know, God's Word to Moses. Uh, one thing that I like to talk about in this context is just to remember we've got a new nation here. We've got people who are former yeah. slaves, and they're about ready to enter the Promised Land, and uh, they haven't governed themselves. They haven't uh, had that, that ability to uh, organize as a community. So this is basically God's taking them under his wing and saying, you know, you want to have a happy, healthy life into this new land that I'm given to you. Here's some, some ways that you can love each other, that you can be this, this new people in this new land that I'm giving to you. Uh, so this is the, a, a starting point for them as they uh, make their way towards, towards the promised land. 
Very good, very good. Well, with that in mind, let's go ahead and give it a read through. Here's Exodus chapter 23 here in the English Standard Version from the top. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many who do the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit, siding with the many so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. You shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge, and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. For six years you shall sow your land and gather in its yield, but the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat. And what they leave, the beasts of the field may eat. You shall do likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchard. Six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Pay attention to all that I have said to you, and make no mention of the names of other gods, nor let it be heard on your lips. Three times in the year you shall keep a feast to me. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread, as I commanded you, you shall not eat you shall eat unleavened bread for seven days at the appointed time in the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. None shall appear before me empty handed. You shall keep the feast of harvest, of the first fruits of your labor, of what you sow in the field. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. Three times in the year you shall shall all your males appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with anything leavened, or let the fat of my feast remain until the morning. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Behold, I send an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him. For he will not pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord, your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you, and I will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you, until you have increased and possessed the land. 
and I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Really cool chapter. Just like a, a lot of stuff going on here. Um, and, it, and it concludes, really, this little section. Because then in chapter 24, right, um, this is the part where it's like, hey, come on up, everybody. It's not just Moses um, up there on the mountain. Then we're going to get, you know, um, Aaron and Nabat, Nadab and Abihu and some of the elders even, right? So uh, right. Th- this kind of concludes this first explanation, this kind of first sermon on the Ten Commandments, right? Right, yeah, he, he wraps up what could be thought of maybe as the law and the instruction, and then he talks a little bit more specifically about uh, leading them, bringing them into the new land, taking care of the enemies, and uh, how they should, should regard them as, as they move forward towards, towards that ultimate goal of, of being his, his people in his land. And I'm glad you mentioned that part about enemies, because that was actually, I think, of all the, the lines in here, I think the one that jumped out at me the most um, when I was just on this read through in particular uh-huh. that, you know, uh, you know, the Lord Jesus, you know, when he, when he's giving that teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, he goes and he says, Hey, you've heard it said, you know, love your, love your friends, hate your enemies. Right. Um, you know, but I say to you, right. Uh, but I mean, there, there it is in Exodus, right. I mean, this is something, um, <laughs> if your enemies ox, Right? That's right. what it says. If you meet your enemy's ox in verse 4, or donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. I mean, this isn't even just like pray for your enemies. This is, hey, pray for your enemies and then go do things for them. I mean, and it's right there in Exodus 23. Right. It's, it's not anything new um, with Jesus. He, of course, amplifies it, and he, he gives us the, the ultimate example in, in dying for his enemies uh, on the cross. But uh, here it's showing that the love and care for for your enemies uh, in helping them with their their possessions, uh, not taking it out on on these these poor animals if if you've got a dispute with uh, with their owners, but the uh, the love and care for your enemy for his possessions for these these creatures that God has made uh, is a is a real responsibility for, for the people. It's not. Uh, even kind of going above and beyond, but even the bare minimum of the law is to help your neighbor keep what it, what is his, uh, to care for uh, for for his possessions as as well, and not be so selfish and turned inward among yourself. That that's really what what sin is all about is just caring about yourself most of all. And right. these passages are meant to draw us out of that that self love that. Uh, selfishness that that's so prone you know we we think well I, i've got a reason to to hate this person i've got a i've got i'm justified in uh my treatment towards towards them and my hatred and my anger and these words are meant to draw us away from that and more towards uh towards loving even your enemies yeah and and you know i got to say too just um as i was listening to you i was just thinking about um you know you're mentioning it like the lord's amplification and of course uh there is nothing more profound than the Lord actually then dying for his enemies, which, right. of course, there's nothing like that in here. So, I mean, it really is an amplification. Um, but e- even in his teaching, in the amplification that you have, for instance, in the 
parable of the Good Samaritan, right? I mean, just sure. I think about that, how, I mean, isn't that exactly what the Good Samaritan is doing? His enemy, right? Not because he hates him, right? And this, and this is, a, you know, I always get back to this. The Hebrew word there doesn't imply like, oh, people that you think are stinky or, you know, I don't know, people sure. who you think are just so boring, you just never want to hear them talk. That, that's not what we're talking about. Um, when it says hate, right, we're talking about a state of en, um, enmity, right, a state right. of hostility. It's nothing necessarily even personal. It's just that there's, um, you know, there, there's there's not peace between two people for some reason. Um, and, and so this is just so fascinating to me because it's saying here, look, if you've got someone who, I mean, even someone who would be inclined to do you harm, right, right. Um, that, that, that's, what, that, that's what hostility, enmity means, you would go and you would do this for him. You would take care of his animal, at least. I mean, so isn't that just something, really? I mean, the Samaritan, right, who knows that, I mean, if he got too close to uh, a Judean, that that could be problematic for him. Uh, but right. he goes and he helps him out anyway. I mean, it really, it, it's it's fascinating how this is such an important precursor here in Exodus 23, to so many of the New Testament themes, or, or themes that we think right. of as New Testament themes, but they're really just Bible themes. Right. And perhaps this could lead to, to reconciliation, to, uh, you know, hey, this, this guy who I thought hated me is, is helping me out, is bringing back my, my stray animals. He's showing care for them. Maybe this can be a bridge towards resolving this enmity so it doesn't last in these ongoing feuds and cycles of revenge. And that, that's a big, big thing throughout the Old Testament with the cities of refuge and trying to prevent ongoing enmity and, and strife between people that, that lasts you know, generations and beyond. So uh, when Jesus says, if you, if, you, uh, if you know that your neighbor has something, your brother has something against you, you know, go resolve that dispute before you come to the altar. That idea yeah. of you know, t- taking the initiative to create peace and not simply letting these, uh, these disagreements and these feuds fester and grow and uh, keep going, but you know, do what you can to resolve those situations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so it really, it really just dovetails very nicely into the New Testament. And, you know, like we were saying, this, this kind of sermon material, basically, um, right. then, of course, lends itself very nicely to the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, though, okay, so just overall, though, overall, um, I guess you were kind of starting to get to uh, kind of maybe some of the, the big picture here. I mean, what, what do you think, if you could summarize chapter 23, or, or identify, like, the, the overall theme that kind of ties it all together, like, what would you say? Well, as you mentioned in the outset, you've really got a— uh, an, apl- uh, an explanation of the Ten Commandments here. We've got, you know, kind of hitting on three, eight, nine, and ten near the end. But it's this message to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, and in that, see a reflection of of God's love for us, uh, the way that He loves and cares for us, and that we are invited to uh, share in that love and the way that we we treat one another. Yeah, certainly love your neighbor as yourself, um, you know, asking the, the question, you know, in some ways, you know, who, who is my neighbor? I mean, right. it's, it's interesting that, you know, neighbor is so expansive here, that neighbor on the one hand includes your enemies, right, and your right. enemies' animals, um, and in fact, it includes animals. I mean, things yeah. like, you know, you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk, um, you know, just, again, that's like, what what is that? Well, it, it, it would be 
cruel to the mother, like, uh, goat, you know, um, for that to happen, you know? So, I mean, this idea of having respect uh, even for the animals, of course, you know, in our last episode, which I said was a really good conversation um, that, that we had uh, with our guest yesterday, uh, Pastor uh, Campbell, but uh, the idea of protecting the animals as a way of guarding against the human heart objectifying anything at all and therefore objectifying people so i mean it does it does uh, end up being a benefit towards people um that's kind of how uh, paul takes that stuff where he's like hey this this uh this law wasn't given for the sake of the oxen it was <laughs> right. you know to like uh you know talk talk about how you treat people so i mean there there is that um but it is it is just interesting how like the, the chapter as as a whole is just i mean it's so expansive right and, and it seems to even like uh, talk about the land even right where it's this right. idea of you know hey we're not gonna like i'm not when you when you get sent into canaan i'm not gonna have you devastate the land in one year and just wipe them all out because hey that'd be really convenient but the land would be i mean destroyed you know and i mean what would happen to the animals who would live in the land right so right. I, I mean I, I think it is just so interesting how 23 just has this very expansive view of love your neighbor as yourself or a neighbor is sort of kind of like, I mean, just everything you encounter on God's green earth. Right. And yeah, even the land itself gets rest. Uh, and, yeah. you know, along with uh, the animals, the theme that keeps recurring in here is the poor, whether it comes to justice, whether it comes yeah. to providing and, and, and feeding them. We can't just say, well, they're not my responsibility or, you know, the, the sojourner, you know, fend for yourself. Every, every man for himself, that's not a, a biblical attitude, but we're all in this together, and so we uh, we care for one another, and, and taking good care of the land will have benefits for all of us in the long run. You know, you talk about stewardship of God's creation. Um, first, it shows love and care for this world that God has made, but ultimately there are benefits to all people if we take care of what God has given to us. That's right. Taking care of what God has given us. I think that that's actually. Why don't we just put that as the as the heading in the ESV there, right? Just you know, sure. we'll cross out laws about the Sabbath and festivals, right? And we'll just put put in there, you know, take care of what God's given you. I, I mean, because that's that's really what's going on there too. I mean, um, it's not so much you know these are like all the particular random laws about um, even the festivals there in the middle. Um, because even in the idea of, you know, going up and having a feast, I mean, what does it say there, right? You know, that, that the poor of your people may eat, that none would be empty handed. Like these festivals are important because it's in the festivals that, I mean, some people, I mean, get their only like real, you know, good meal, uh, you know, of like the whole month or something is when you have one of these festivals. So, um, you know, seeing festivals as something that are for, that's something that's done for the sake of the poor, actually right. um so yeah I, I i really like your summary sure and um, some people tend to think but, about well, let's go ahead go ahead sure. go yeah go ahead no 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 you go ahead I just say, some some people tend to separate well giving to the poor versus giving to god and giving to the church but it really all goes together because it comes from this idea that these things right. that i possess are not mine and how is god giving me to yes. use those things whether it's supporting the the church and the ministry of of the gospel or whether it's caring for the poor and the needy it, it's all part of that same attitude and perspective that these are god's gifts to me uh, absolutely 
Well, um, we only got like a, a minute less than that before we got to take our break here. Um, so we'll actually just kind of go into that just a tad bit early here today. But everybody, hang on. We're looking at Exodus chapter 23 here on Thy Strong Word. We'll be right back. LCMS Disaster Response and Training provides guidance and counsel to congregations seeking to show mercy to their neighbors before, during, and after disasters. From congregation preparedness to equipping volunteers in our Lutheran Early Response Team training, we can help you engage your community, particularly those who are suffering in any way with the love of Christ. For more information, you can follow us on Facebook, keyword LCMS Disaster Response, or visit our website at lcms.org forward slash disaster. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. In 1924, by the grace of God, KFUO began broadcasting the good news of Christ for you. A long part of this history is bringing you worship services to hear and receive the good gifts of God in His words. This Sunday morning, join us for services from Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis at 815 and Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fenton at 1030, as well as Bible study from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in De Pere at 930. Hear Christ for you in Sunday morning services on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Exodus chapter 23 today, and uh, yeah, just a lot of good stuff. It's it's really cool. I want to I take a look today, especially about how this really kind of lines up with the commandments. Um, it, it's really a sermon about the commandments here, and it's just uh, really showing us how um, God is, is looking out for His people. He's looking out for the land. He's looking out for the animals. Um, that, that kind of overall message, our, our guest here today, Pastor Mark Burkholtz, pastor at Faith Lutheran Church in Oakland, Illinois, was summing it up, you know, take care of the stuff that God's given you, uh, both the people, the animals, um, but even, even the land, too. If you've got a question for us, um, I noticed during the break I was addressing a question that I got over Facebook. Um, question for us, you can join the conversation if you're listening live, 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also, you can send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Or uh, we do have the Facebook uh, stream up and running again. Uh, it took me a little bit to get it all set up again after doing the bit of traveling. But yes, uh, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. If you've got any questions or comments, just put them right there on the live stream. So uh, yeah, so actually, I'll let you weigh in. Went in on that really quick too, Pastor Burkholtz. Um, over the break, got a question about the uh, boiling a kid in its mother's milk, uh, just as something that just kind of stood out. Like is, that's bizarre. Who would be so mean? 
uh, I was kind of starting to address that as like, well, it's not as uncommon as you would have, as you might think. It's it's kind of basically like saying don't put like a, don't put cheese on a hamburger. I mean, I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of something that would have sounded very commonplace, I think, in their context. But God's uh, getting at saying, uh, hey, I, I want you guys to avoid even the things that seem innocuous because you might get the wrong idea in your hearts. Sure. Yeah. This is a a really uh, unusual passage to deal with it. it. It shows up at three different points, later again in Exodus and in uh, Deuteronomy as well. There's some people who speculate there's some sort of a Canaanite fertility ritual that people would do mm. this in order to try to increase the, the crops or the, the yield from the herds, but there's no real proof that that exists, so that's a bit of speculation. I mean, generally it's thought no. of, okay, this is kind of anti-cruelty, uh, something that, exactly. that would show care and compassion. Uh, one other thing, just just to note, I read a commentator who thinks this is some sort of a uh, Hebrew idiom that's been lost that has to do with mingling the old with the new. So, so every time this shows up, it's in this context mm-hmm. of giving first fruits and tithes. And yeah. he's been speculating that it has this idea of kind of mixing in some of the old grain in with the new grain and uh, trying to pass off something that's not really first fruits with stuff that, that is. And they would have understood that back then, even if, it, even if it's not literally talking about a goat, goat and milk. But... Uh, it's, That's it's one of those really interesting. Hard to really kind of nail down. You, you remember what commentary you got that out of? I was. It was actually a, an online resource I was looking at. I, I can send that to you. But um, yeah, I'll have to take a anymore. look at that. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that because that's actually really interesting because. I mean, it does it does sort of fit with, I mean, because we've seen in this chapter, right, there is some kind of animal cruelty stuff in the first part of the chapter, right. sort of, right? So it doesn't fit, um, it, it doesn't like not fit, but what you just suggested there about, um, you know, maybe this is some kind of idiom of, you know, don't, don't put, uh, for instance, uh, new wine in old wineskins, right? Right. Uh, th- yeah. that's that's pretty interesting um that's that's really intriguing i'll have to take a look at that and uh hey speaking of uh things that you found or did online um thanks for <laughs> uh, g- giving us a little bit of uh, uh pr there posting on facebook there i saw that and i, and I saw already like on your facebook post uh that you, there was a response about um uh someone was celebrating uh, an anniversary today, so I mean, congrats, everyone celebrating an anniversary, and that reminds me, because I'm usually quite terrible at this stuff, um, but it reminds me, actually, my dear old pa, it's his birthday today, so oh, okay. happy birthday, Dad, if you happen to have a chance to listen to thy strong word today or anytime soon, <laughs> but um, but yeah, 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 so so let's go ahead, though, and, and kind of look at some of this stuff in some more detail here. Um, so, so at the beginning, maybe it's like the first, uh, nine verses, the ESV kind of breaks it off, um, as its own section, uh, well, kind of continuing really the previous section and, uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of interesting how you get this, this bit about, uh, you shall not spread a false report. I'm guessing that that's why, um, you know, in in medieval times when they went ahead and stuck those, uh, chapter numbers in, I'm guessing why that, that's why they put it there. Cause they were like, oh, that's a new commandment. We're talking about the eighth commandment now. So we're going to put the, put the paragraph marker, put the chapter uh, division right there. But uh, what, what do you think? What's going on here with the uh, kind of throwing in the false report slander stuff in here? Yeah, it's it's definitely kind of eighth commandment, uh, reminding people 
the importance of, of justice and not to be swayed by things like uh, the popular opinion of other people, the social status of the person being charged or making the accusation. Uh, it's all part of uh, God's way of reminding us what's uh, what it means to, to love one another uh, and to try to keep our own selfishness and self-interest in check because it, it's always easier to go with the crowd or to favor the rich or to uh, find find thing do 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 things the way that would benefit us personally, and this is a current another another check on that sort of impulse that we would have. Well, yeah, and, and it's kind of interesting too because I, I think it sort of shows how the bearing false witness is really kind of tied up in "you shall not steal." That like they right. they, they end up going together. Um, and, and what's interesting, you know, we were talking about Luther's large catechism beforehand. Uh, Luther does make that connection, actually, in a pretty strong way. Um, okay. You know, I, I think people don't give him enough credit, um, even if, you know, he's he's not, like, you know, the most adept uh, exegete at every turn. I mean, he kind of gets this part of the exegesis right, I think. Um, he says, hey, look, you know, when people are going to be, um, you know, taking oaths, right, and, and especially making an oath in God's name, right, what are they doing that for? What's well, to deceive people and basically to steal their stuff? It's to right. get their stuff dishonestly. You're like, oh yeah, I guarantee you by the name of God, and and you and you do that, right? Um, because you know, back in the day, you didn't have, uh, you know, like you know, like your, your extended you know 36 month warranty, like that <laughs> that wasn't a thing. Uh, you didn't have like you know big manufacturers that could do recalls and stuff like that. So you'd make an oath and you'd say like, hey, you know, I, I promise. You know, this this animal has never, you know, been in an accident, right? And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like, here here's here's the here's the cow facts, you know, and, and you say, like, oh, yeah, you know, they've never gotten sick and all this stuff, right? And you, and you make an oath, right? And that was that was kind uh -huh. of standard practice. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're doing this here um, to try to fleece people, right? And and so uh, it's, it's interesting how there is this connection between not only— um, you shall not bear false testimony and you shall not steal, but then ultimately um, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And right. that, I think, is in Exodus 20, the way that the Ten Commandments are structured. And I think it's here in the explanation that uh, this false report stuff is is lumped in and mixed in with the theft stuff. And I think that's uh, something that Luther gets right. Oh, definitely. That, that would be kind of part of what's going on in the background behind this, and people would have understood the, the context that, you know, any time you're, you're doing a legal proceeding, uh, that those sort of uh, sworn testimony would, would definitely be a, be a part of that. And then uh, if you look at, you know, Jesus' trial and the people there who are swearing falsely against him for their own benefit, whether it's monetary or uh, prestige or, or power, that, that definitely kind of comes all, all the way around there. Yeah, and that's actually, yeah, thanks for redirecting us there, too, because, I mean, it's kind of obvious in that case. Like, why why does anyone give false testimony, right? Like, no one just goes up and they say, like, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? And you're just like, yeah, but, okay, sure, sure I swear. And then you're like, yeah, never mind, I'll just lie. It'll be more fun that way. Like, no, I mean, I mean, maybe a pure sociopath, right? But Basically, people are only going to be uh, lying when they're, you know, on oath. I mean, because, you know, there's 
there's like, you know, curses and there's, you know, threats of punishment and all this stuff. No one's going to be lying unless they're basically in it for the money. Like they've, they've been bribed basically, or they've got something to gain. Like if they testify against this person, they'll get, they'll inherit the property or something like that. So, I mean, really false witness is just kind of another way of talking about stealing. I mean, it really is just basically the same idea. And, and you see that in the case um, of the people at the Lord's um, trial that, you know, they bring these false witnesses and why? Well, I mean, probably they've all been bribed. I mean, they paid right. they paid Judas 30 silver pieces. They probably paid 30 silver pieces to all the false witnesses who were there. Um, I mean, so it's, it's just another w- word for stealing at the end of the day. That's right, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so seeing that, I think that's really interesting then because you can kind of look at all of this stuff here um, and, and see it connected as, as um, you know, this, this like you will, you will not steal, you will not, you know, be uh, greedy. I mean, of course, there's some overlap with everything, right? Like if you meet your enemy's ox or donkey going astray and you, and you help them out, you, you think right. of, you know, that idea of, well, that's kind of like helping the neighbor and, um, and, and maybe that's like fifth commandment or something like that. And yeah, may, maybe so, um, you know, like ending, ending the hostility, burying the hatchet, right? Yeah, I mean, sure. that, that does kind of bleed into you shall not murder. You might say bleed into you shall not murder. That's okay. Um, but, but no, I mean, it really is kind of focused, I think, on this um, kind of seventh and eighth kind of blended together as a whole. But you seem to get a little bit of a turn at verse 10, right, where we, right. we move into the Sabbath stuff. Yes, that, that, that is kind of a, a bit of a, a transition there in verse 10. Uh, but yeah, so, so what do you, you think is going on there? Yeah, yeah. You still have kind of the, the, the extension of this idea of caring for the poor and uh, showing love to to all people. And one way that you can do that is by uh, not harvesting every last bit of grain or wearing your ground out till it, it it's it's no longer fertile, but to uh, let the ground have rest, have, let the people enjoy the land. It's not really yours anyways, it's the Lord, and he's giving it to you for your good use. Uh, so in that way, it's, it's a way to show love for, for your neighbor and uh, letting the ground rest, uh, letting the people in your household rest, uh, and then in that is an act of worship to the Lord, which brings us along to the, to the festivals and the, uh, the, the sacrifices where he kind of wraps up this section before we move on to the the bit about the conquest of Canaan and driving out the enemies and that bit too. Well, yeah, and, and that idea, right, of letting your servants have rest, letting, um, you know, the, the, the least in the land have rest, that, yeah, that that's a that's a theme that we saw. It, it's in there in Exodus 20. Um, and in fact, I mean, just, just looking at Exodus 20 there in that description, it says, I mean, you get so much elaboration there, I mean, I mean, it's really striking how uh, the commandments that get the most elaboration in Exodus 20, right? I mean, like one of them is the Sabbath. Um, right. And it says there in like verse 10, right? Um, on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no—you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Um, and isn't it interesting that like this— this pattern is sort of like the same pattern here in Exodus uh, 23, where you're talking about your, your son, your daughter, your male servant, female servant, livestock sojourner, um, you know, the poor. It's, it's kind of the same 
um, pattern there. And, um, and of course that whole idea of uh, the whole idea of, you know, all this, everything in your house, basically everything in your household resting, um, that I think connects it also to the stuff about coveting. Um, because when right. you, when you go in again in Exodus 20, you get the same kind of list actually exactly. when and you have in verse 17, you shall not cover your neighbor's house, uh, his wife, male, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, anything that's your neighbor. And it's like practically like the same list. So right. I, I think that in that way, it's not actually so abrupt that like, okay, we were talking about seven and eight. Why do you go back to four or three, depending on your right. numbering, right? Like, right? Well, no, he's, he's kind of gone back into the coveting thing, which includes the Sabbath. Right. And the idea is, you know, why would you make these people work? Well, it's, it's greed, it's self-enrichment. I'm going to get every last bit of labor out of these people so exactly. that I can benefit from it. Uh, mm-hmm. And God is guarding them against that. I mean, coveting is, is the root of that. You want more. You, uh, you want to uh, take things from other people that don't belong to you, you know, perhaps their, their labor, their time, as well as uh, their, their possessions. Um, but it goes back to what you were talking about earlier with, with, with greed and, and stealing and self-interest. And essentially, if you are forcing these people to, to work seven days a week, uh, long, hard, hard labor, then uh, you're, you're stealing from them. Uh, you're desiring what, what isn't yours. And he connects us back up to the fact that you, know, you guys were slaves and God set you free and you are you're in his image. You are like God. So God rested, you rest. It's all, all tied back together to the, this gospel. You know, God has set you free from Egypt where that this all started in chapter 20. Yes, that, that's really well said. I mean, that was, um, and, and that was something I really had wanted to talk about actually in um, Exodus 20, but that, that's, that's, that's perfect right there. I mean, there's the connection that, I mean, and of course, Deuteronomy 5 connects the dots a little bit differently, uh, which, which is fine because there's, there's multiple good lessons that we ought to be learning from the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. But um, in Exodus 20, I think that's exactly it, that the coveting is connected to the Sabbath observance, um, just like you said, because if you're you know pressing all, everyone in your house to work constantly and no one can rest, well, that's because you're doing you're, you're doing the whole keeping up with the Joneses, right? Like you just you just can't stand the fact that like the guy over there, well, he's working. I got to keep up with him. Um, right. and, and so, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's that, that's why here. So it really makes a lot of sense in Exodus 23 that as you're just going down the Decalogue here, uh, going down the Ten Commandments, and you've got. Um, seven and eight. Um, well, here we are actually kind of talking about nine and ten uh, when it comes to coveting, and um, and, and in that respect, uh, it, it does actually make sense to be talking about um, the the Sabbath because that's kind of the, the practical way that you live out not coveting. Because I mean, because any anyone can say like, oh no, I don't covet. Like, well, I mean, I sure, I, w- I would like that, but you know, I, I don't covet it. I mean, I mean, like, what, what, what's the, what's the outward standard, right? What's like, how do we know that we're actually coveting or not, or are we just kidding ourselves? Well, if you're, if you're kind of working uh, like a dog and you're kind of going, you know, crazy, um, I, I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of a good indication that actually maybe you really do covet this. That's right, and that's, uh, and sometimes we think coveting only. Okay, I'm going to take things that don't belong to me. I'm going to actively kind of steal them but you're right we can coveting can lead us to do things like uh, ignore other commandments of god and do what it takes to, to to get them on our own even if it's not the best or most healthy or 
the best attitude to have towards towards possessions and and all those other things that he's warning us against here. Right. Well, and in that respect too, I mean, like it it makes sense with holidays, right? Where you know, hey, if you're if you're if you're full of covetousness, right? then you're going to just be working yourself to death. I mean, it, it, it's workaholism is, is kind of, I think, our modern manifestation of covetousness, right? Like you just, you just can't stand that you don't have enough and you want this other stuff that other people have around you. So you're never going to let yourself work. You're never going to let yourself rest. You're never going to take the time. Because think about this. How much time do you have to take, um, not even just you know, with the weekly Sabbath, but then every seventh year? That's a whole year of not making money off of your field, right? Like that's crazy. It's called a sabbatical, right? Every seven years. And, and, and I think that most modern people could not imagine that like you would work six years and then the seventh year you would just be like, you know what? I'm just not going to do my salaried position thing. I'm just going to kind of enjoy things, you know, spend a year making sure to focus on the kids and, you know, all those household um, tasks that I've been putting off and repairs, right? Like, you know, like we, we can't even fathom that, you know, and, and the fact that we can't even fathom that or, or these big festivals. I mean, think about this. I mean, these are all pilgrimages, basically. That's going to take a lot of time. The, the amount of time off from work that's described here in 23, as 21st century Americans, we can't even fathom this. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't make any sense from a, a business perspective uh, that yeah. you would do things like, you know, let your land go for a year or that you would take time off or that you would give your first fruits to the Lord uh, rather than keeping it for yourself or reinvesting or, or whatever. It, it, it's very foreign to our, our way of thinking, and it, it requires and the, the, this idea that uh, not only our possessions not our own, but our time is not our own. This is a gift from the Lord, and so we, we use our time, we use our uh, all of our resources uh, in accordance with what what he gives us to do. That's exactly right. It's a different perspective. It's and it's not an ancient perspective. It's the perspective of as you were saying, gift. It's the idea that these are God's gifts, and just in the same way that when someone gives you something, right? I mean, like I just you know th- think, you know, every, everyone can do this pretty much if you're if you're an adult who's been married. Like you can think back to some of the gifts that you got on your wedding day, right? especially ones that are from, like, you know, grandma or grandpa, right? And even if it wasn't your favorite gift, just, you know, real real uh, candid talk here, um, you know, you're not going to, like, abuse and mistreat and get rid of this gift. You're not going to—well, first of all, you're not going to re-gift it to anyone in the family. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But also, like, grandma's going to be sad if she sees that, you know, like, it just went into the trash heap or, you know, I mean, you just kind of, you know, drove the thing into the ground because you worked it to death. I mean, so that's just the idea, right? When, when, we, when we treat something as a gift, we treat it differently. Because, yeah, it's ours, but it, it's more than just ours, right? I mean, it, it's, it's from someone. And that, and that someone maintains the connection to the thing. It's not just we do whatever we want and drive it into the ground. And so, um, you know, when we think of our time as God's, you know, because we think to ourselves, oh, my God, oh, that we would just waste so much of my time, my time. My, I mean, we just think right. about that. Wasting my time. That's an hour of my hour of life. Time. I'm never getting back. It's not your life. It's not your time. The only one who has time is the one who creates time, and that's God himself. And it's, it's a different perspective looking at it as a gift. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm getting a lot of uh, static here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, you want to try reconnecting again? Maybe give it one more try here. I mean, we, we still do have a little bit before the, before the break. Um, 
But while I buy some time, uh, let's take a look here at the last section here. So this is uh, verse 20 and onwards, and I'm sorry, guys, I'll improve the sound effects one day. So like in verse, tw in verse 20 and onwards, right, it kind of makes sense. We've kind of concluded this overview, this sermon on the Ten Commandments, and so now we're talking again about the promised land, right? Which, And you're thinking to yourself, well, now, why does it make sense to talk about that um, when you're talking about the Ten Commandments? Well, I mean, the Ten Commandments are all about the promised land. I mean, that that's the idea. Think about it. Like, what's the very first thing that God says in the Ten Commandments? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Right? So from the very beginning, um, the Ten Commandments are about the the things about the land. You know, you're going to a new land. I'm giving you new rules. I'm giving you a new framework. We're going to have a new kind of society in this new land. Um, and then right in the middle of the commandments, right, in the commandment on um, obeying or honoring father and mother, right, what's it say? That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So, I mean, and, and of course, um, you know, even the final commandment about coveting kind of like invokes the land a little bit more directly. Um, even it's more clearly seen in Deuteronomy. So, I mean, I mean, beginning, middle, and end, the commandments are about the land. Um, so it makes sense then in the conclusion here. Uh, to be talking about the land, and and it's really this this graciousness, really. I mean, God's just talking about, hey, I'm going to drive your enemies from out before you, and uh, I, I I don't know, brother, what what'd you make of the the bees here, like sending like the swarms of bees ahead of you? It I don't, that's like something out of mythology or something, right? Like the 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 dog with bees in its mouth or something. Like what what'd you <laughs> what'd you make of that? Well, you, you might have a footnote there in, in your Bibles, probably, that we're not quite sure what this word means, but the, the Greek <laughs> translation into the Septuagint gives us wasps, so that, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Maybe and the, the Hebrew word kind of sounds like that. Uh, we're probably not talking about, like, literal swarms of bees infesting <laughs> the land, uh, but the idea yeah. that God will, will drive the people out. And he references the angel uh, yes. there before earlier in the in that that passage and so this is probably uh the supernatural army that is is fighting uh with the, the the people on their on their behalf so that it's not just up to them and their their military skill and their their planning and their strategy to do this but god is is doing it for them uh as they follow him and as they they obey uh, and do do things his way uh, that, that's right, and so in that in that sense, you know, well, could it have been a swarm of bees? Well, well, I mean, sure, um, but right. you know, um, it probably probably not. Um, <laughs> probably other sorts of things. Um, but like you see that in these different passages where it talks about the angel of the Lord um, right. fighting for for God's people. Um, I think we had this back in the Red Sea crossing, right? Where you know the Lord says in Exodus fourteen fourteen, the Lord will fight for you, um, right. and then so hang on. So how does he fight? Does he send like an army of like kind of like ghostly sword wielding warriors? Right? Uh, no. What's it say? It says um, this is in verse twenty four of uh, Exodus fourteen. In the morning, watch the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw them into a panic clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And then what did the Egyptians say? Ah, let's get out of here. The Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Right. So uh, that idea of, of God sending the angel of the Lord to fight for them, it could be in the form of anything. I mean, it could be in bad weather for their enemies. It could be, I mean, it, it, could, it could be, you know, starving out, um, you know, their, their, their siege, right? 
Um, it could be, uh, you know, we see in Joshua a hailstorm, right? So right. God can use any of the things that he showed were in his, um, in his arsenal in the 10 plagues, right? It could be any right. of those things that he would use to benefit the people of Israel so that they would know it wasn't just, as you were saying, their military might. Yep. And, uh, and verse 27 does give a little bit of help there with uh, the terror and confusion that, that's coming with yes, that. Right. If you remember, when, when they show up in, in Jericho, Rahab says, you know, we're, we're all scared of you. We heard what, what God did uh, through you yep. in, in Egypt and against uh, the kings on the other side of the Jordan. And uh, just that, that general sense of, of terror and confusion could certainly go along with. Yeah. I mean, you, you'd be terrified if a port of bees were coming after you, but uh, probably more, <laughs> more general, just the fact that they, they know that this is yeah. not them working alone. They know that God must be on their side to be uh, doing what they're doing, and so that, that would yeah. certainly be, be terrifying. Yeah, though I do think my poor wife would think that of everything we've talked about, the swarm of bees would be the most terrifying thing that God could possibly do. But that's that's very particular to her, <laughs> the way she looks at things. Um, no, a lot, a lot of other, especially other women, uh, look at maybe things similarly. But um, yeah, it's kind of interesting how you mentioned that, though. I like your connection there to uh, the story with Rahab, right, and Joshua, how the word, just the PR, the rep that they right. got— going before them was sending people into terror and confusion, which of course is actually a really nice connection to the word angel there, because the word angel means messenger, right? Yeah. I mean, so how much of this is God saying, I'm going to send my PR guy ahead of you, and he's going to tell sure. everyone about the stuff that I've done, and they're all right. going to be shaking in their boots, and they're not going to want to fight you, because they, right. they heard the example I made out of some people. So, I mean, isn't that just something how uh, God sends his messenger before his face, right, to prepare his way. And, of course, that's what we have with the Lord Jesus Christ and John the Baptist, finally. Right, exactly. It's uh, the Word of God that brings, of course, terror to his foes, but uh, gives us uh, hope and comfort that God is with us, that, that they're not going into this, this foreign land on their own, but God is, is going to be with them, and he's going to prepare, be preparing their way and uh, getting everything ready for them, and that, that brings us, us comfort as well. Uh, certainly. And so that's uh, making in the connection for us today, not just about, as we've seen throughout, it's it, not just about, you know, oxen and uh, cheeseburgers. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot more than that. It's, it's God preparing the way and God saving us through his son, Jesus. So thank you so much, brother, for joining us. I'm always happy to have you on. And uh, yeah, I hope lots of people are able to check it out on Facebook. Take care, brother. Sure. Thank you. Everybody, Pastor Mark Burkholtz, Faith, Oakland, Illinois. Till next time, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.